353rd. I'm Anders Brownworth. And I'm Scott Barstow. Anders, I thought we'd talk today. Uh, so you had a uh, you had a monumental moment this week. A, uh, you've, you've crossed the chasm from the business world into the academic world. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really you've put made it that the leap. Way. Yeah. You've made the huge jump quantum leap you're now you're now like a certified college professor I, I i am certified that's right so i am teaching a class at mit in the media lab starting on this past wednesday about the blockchain and essentially all the internals of bitcoin how the whole thing works uh it's quite interesting there's you know obviously it's mit so it can get a bit technical but it's interesting. We're we're looking at all of the technologies that go into how the blockchain works, how how really how Bitcoin works, and looking at them in detail, and then piecing them all together, and then from there, once we have kind of the background, we're looking at how the blockchain can be used uh, for you know things beyond currencies, uh, sort of the Bitcoin 2.0 type technologies uh how do you how do you do contracts how do you do property rights for example maybe stuff like that things that are not uh currency related that's sort of the second half of the semester uh it's pretty cool all right so so the class so class started this week and yeah. runs through is it uh do you go through like december yeah Something right like the beginning of december it's a, it's sort of the fall semester and what did you have to do to uh to prepare uh, for like, first of all, how did the, it's really interesting. Cause I, I don't, I honestly don't know anything about the questions I'm getting ready to ask you. So how did <laughs> yeah. the opportunity come about? So apparently my name was floated, uh, a couple of, by a couple of different people and they ended up just, it was the whole thing came together very last minute, uh, which I understand is actually not all that unusual. Uh, for for academia, but in any case, they asked me, "Hey, you know, do you want to do this?" And I'm, I was like, "Yeah, sure. This sounds like sounds like fun." But you know, I'm I'm a, a full time employee at uh, Circle, so I, you know, I I don't I can't exactly commit to this. And of course, wouldn't you know it, the people I'm working with at Circle were away on a vacation at that time, so I just ran with. You know, let's just imagine that that we're doing this if we are going to, which, of course, they're very happy uh, with doing this. Circle is a, a company very interested in, in working with the community, so it turned out not to be a big deal. But there was a very compressed kind of a time frame to come up with a syllabus, come up with, you know, how what is this course about? What are we actually going to be teaching? You know, what level do we get to? Uh, given how much time we have, and also what time, of course, the class is going to meet, that type of thing. Uh, but yeah. But so what? Uh, what is it? Like a 100, 200? What? What level course is it? It's a grad level course. It's a. Um, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, so. It's with uh, Sandy Petland, and Sandy uh, helps start the Media Lab. So, uh, basically, this is the first, as far as I'm aware. I think this is the first blockchain class that they're doing at MIT. Uh, which is a, a lot of fun to be involved with for sure, uh, because when you when you do a class of first of technology right now, blockchain is is kind of a buzzword that that banks in particular are spinning up R and D efforts around. So when MIT starts to do a class about this, you know you just look at who you get, and it's every everyone from 
you know, the, the typical people that would be at a, at a grad level course, but it, it, there's also, you know, people kind of from the outside. So there's somebody from Harvard, there are people from Wellesley and other, other campuses and, uh, and even other professors. Uh, so it's, it's kind of a, a really interesting mix. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. How long ago did you find out that? So when did the opportunity come about? When did you start the discussions for even teaching the class? I mean, does, was this like a month ago, two months ago? How long ago did you start? It was more like, you know, two and a half weeks ago. So it, it, it came together. Uh, they already had some idea of the syllabus. Uh, so then it kind of came together, you know, basically two weeks ago. And then became an official class. And then, you know, they do advertising and all kinds of stuff. There's these things that go on that, you know, I didn't know about. Uh, like, how do you advertise a class in a, uh, in a university that's, that's starting up with, you know, however many other classes are starting up? Uh, so there's, there's lots of Well, and of it was so pieces. close to the beginning of the semester, right? Right, exactly. So yeah. you would have thought that almost everybody had their courses kind of nailed. So it's cool that uh, – so how many students do you have? Uh, we're at th- around 30 right now, I think, but okay. that, that could change actually, the, that could change in both directions because generally the first class you, you know, there's some kind of moving around, people have a conflict, so they, they're doing something else and then they decide, well, that, that really wasn't as good. Maybe let me come back over here or whatever. So we should get some, some fluctuation from that. And then they're still doing advertising. So I'm sure we'll, we'll, it'll change. <laughs> Uh, it's cool. First, first of all, it's cool that circles, uh, you know, making sure that you'll have the time to do it. And that's a really cool story. I think that's, it makes total sense based on who they are as a company that they would, uh, let you invest time in this and what a cool gig. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I think the guys at uh, a circle have, uh, the, the leadership at circles really set a, you know, let's let's work with the community around us and let's, uh, you know, let's be involved. Of course, I also run the Cambridge Bitcoin meetup, which is some 500 and something people now, uh, which I've been doing for many years, actually. And, you know, I, I've been encouraged to continue in that. And then, uh, you know, different different things in the industry. Uh, you know, I'm going to Montreal this weekend for the uh, blockchain scalability summit, uh, there's they they keep you know they're very interested in being plugged in, which is which is really great to see. Yeah, that's really cool. So, uh, presuming the class goes well, do they then turn around and offer it again next semester, or don't you don't know. know, or this is still experimental, or you don't know enough yet? Yeah, I I, I just don't know. I, I think they will. Uh, so so the the sponsoring group inside MIT. So there's the there's MIT, you know, in, in general, and of course the MIT Media Lab is a uh, is a you know a part of MIT, and then inside the Media Lab is the um, uh, Digital Currency Group, and this is this is a, a relatively new having having formed I think in in April of this past year, uh, the Digital Currency Group is is you know aside from working within MIT is very interested in, in fostering, uh, uh, you know, everything having to do with, with Bitcoin on the outside. Matter of fact, they employ the, uh, lead developers of Bitcoin. Um, so, uh, so there's, there's quite a, you know, a commitment within MIT to virtual currencies in general. 
And uh, so the DCI, uh, the the sorry, the Digital Currency Group, uh, is is uh, it's actually the Digital Currency Initiative, uh, is setting up classes, and and they have a couple. Uh, this is the one that I'm doing is one of them. There's also another one that's less technical and more uh, focused on like CEOs and and uh, business school students and uh, you know that that kind of an audience for dealing with uh, uh, all the the topics around Bitcoin, which you know obviously there's a lot of legal and regulatory things, and uh, you clearly have to understand the technology and what it can do before you can address those areas. Uh, so it's, you know, their, their mandate is, is much more, um, you know, I guess on the regulatory side than, than what I'm doing, but, uh, but they're, they're working on a couple of different initiatives. Uh, so I, you know, I would guess that they'll do it again, but we'll, you know, we'll see, it'll probably be the, the spring or so. Maybe there'll be something in the, uh, uh the January period, uh, through January, they have this thing called IAP, which is, uh, a uh, time when anybody can take any kind of very short class that they want. You you drop into some of the most amazing classes uh, taught by uh, MIT professors, taught by outside groups, taught by, you know, students sometimes. I mean, you know, it's it's quite a wide array. Um, maybe they'll do something in there as well. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's I got to say, you know, it's really interesting having not been in school for a long time coming back. I mean, it's, it's as it always, I've done some teaching before, but this is my first time, you know, being essentially being a, an official lecturer at MIT. Um, yeah. How much work you have to do to kind of get up to speed. The first few classes in this uh, digital currency, uh, you know, class are, are very technical and you, you do have to get into uh, you do have to get pretty deep in the weeds, and it's necessary because you need to build on this. You need to use these as building blocks and and go forward. So the um, uh, they assign P sets, which are like problem sets. It's a typical MIT thing, uh, and and they get pretty close to the metal. Like we will be implementing, you know, hashing algorithms and and uh, different um, cryptography uh, hmm. within the class. So it's it's you know, it's not a light course, uh, I guess, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's great to, because I've dealt with this topic so much to actually go through in a much more rigorous way and say, this is why this works. When you combine these few things, interestingly, you know, in, in an interesting way, it creates a capability that didn't exist in computer science before, you know, 2008. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to be fun. It's a lot of work, but a lot of fun. Yeah, so. yeah. It's it for me. I, like having done uh, small scale coursework, the <clears throat> it's I always I'm always amazed at how much of a challenge it is to take everything that you know and understand about a topic and try and distill it into meaningful chunks. Right. That you can get through in a in a small period of time and then come back to and just have it feel cohesive. Right. Uh, is not that like it gives you an appreciation for what professors go through and especially the really good ones who are always innovating and looking at new coursework and not just, you know, pulling out the pulling out and dusting off the syllabus that they've had for the last 15 years. Yeah. But they're actually 
doing innovative work every year. It's a lot of work. Oh yeah, no, it absolutely is. It, and you're you're totally right. It 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 gives you a, a new appreciation. Uh, you you don't know what you know until you try to like you know categorize it and and I mean you know because when it's all in your head, it kind of doesn't matter how it got in your head. But when you're trying to educate students, you have to you know, build the bridges. You have to figure out what they do know and what they don't know. And you need to make the connections. And, you know, with a, with a class, with a widely varying class, it's an art like to do that well. And and I'm sure everyone listening has a, that teacher that you think about, oh yeah, this person really could connect for me, could take the things I knew and draw the lines to the things I needed to know to complete the picture. Cause nobody walks in a blank slate. Everybody has something. So um, people that can do that really well are, are very rare and very, very, you know, gifted and talented. I mean, I've, I've had professors here at MIT. I've taken classes at MIT as well. Uh, I've had uh, professors at MIT doing the same thing. I mean, they're, they're just, you know, able to make those connections in creative, interesting ways that continue to evolve. And they're exceedingly good at it. Yeah. And I think what's cool about MIT, and obviously I've never taken a class there, but just from everything you've said, is that it almost has the feel of, they're very, they let you be very exploratory in nature. It's kind of like uh, you show up there and you just start taking stuff until you find something that, that you hit upon. You're like, oh my gosh, this is fascinating. I'm going to dig in here. Right. It doesn't feel to me from the outside like it's this Oh, well, you came in as a freshman as a blah, blah, blah major. So that's what you have to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like they've, they've done a real, I, it's easy to understand from everything you've told me about why they're, uh, why they're such an elite institution, uh, because they seem to have been able to uh, bridge the divide between kind of a classic college education and almost like a R&D shop for right. education where you can just, exp- and they, and obviously they have the luxury of, um, they've created an environment where they get the best people teaching the most interesting classes. And so it's, there's a reason why, you know, it's hard to get in there and all of those things, but it just seems like a really cool environment. And I remember you taking me around the media lab and it's just the stuff that goes on there is just unbelievable. They're so <laughs> far ahead, yeah. so far ahead. Yeah, agreed. It is a, a quite an, a unique place. Uh, so the classes that I took, of course, I wasn't going for a degree anymore. And the classes yep. that I was taking when I was effectively auditing, they call it listening in on classes, I would just go to what I thought was really interesting. And I mean, and I've been to classes in, in the, you know, sort of the computer science and the, in the physical sciences and your physics, that kind of thing. And classes in the, uh, aero astro, uh, took a great course. I think we even discussed it on this, this, uh, podcast a number of episodes ago about, uh, satellite engineering and, uh, all of these things were, all of these classes were very happy to, um, just invite me in and have me be part of the class. I mean, in the one optics class I, I took, there was a lab component. So I had my lab jacket, my little desk. It was a, you know, <laughs> like a laser desk. You're working on like this uh, laser table to look at how light interacts in, in, in different uh, things called uh, modern optics is the name of the class. It was fantastic, really interesting, learned a lot. And, and also things that ended up connecting with stuff that I was doing 
day to day. You think, well, what, what in the world's modern optics have to do with anything? Well, you know, at the time I was working at bandwidth and, and we were working on, on, well, how do you, how do you move data? And yeah. we're talking about lasers and we're talking about uh, fiber optics. And I mean, it, it was, it was very interesting, not just to learn about uh, some of the more, you know, finer details of these things, but to really plow through the math. I mean, it's not a, it's not a walk in the park. There's a lot of work, but if you're only taking one class a semester, like I was, it was, it was approachable. Uh, yeah. but, but you're right about what they've done. And, and <clears throat> I think you, you, you said it really perfectly the way that, um, MIT can allow you to figure out what you really want to do by just having, you know, access to anything. I mean, I, I do live across the street, so that, that does help, but, um, you there's there's a wide open kind of an attitude you can come in you can figure out whether or not this is interesting and you can go from there and uh yeah it's 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 not a walk in the park but it is it is you know it is world class i mean it they have figured something out like like you said they've figured something out and how to how to educate people had i known mit existed when i was leaving high school <laughs> you know it it might have been different because there are aspects of MIT that were that were sort of perfect for me in the way that I learn um, so yeah, yeah I, I love the place I mean it's 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 an old, a gold mine yeah that's really neat now in the optics class did you talk about sharks with lasers or just lasers <laughs> we didn't but I got to say uh, the uh, we on on my class the, the blockchain class now the uh, there's a uh, on the website there's a little picture and it's of course um you know mike myers doing the uh, they call it blockchain with the air quotes <laughs> so we're not far we're not far from sharks with lasers that's fantastic yeah yeah we gotta we gotta put a link to, to <laughs> we the will, course yeah, yeah. uh in the show notes for sure so uh let's switch gears real quick yeah and talk about uh the apple the, uh, Apple, the Apple thing this yeah. week. Yeah, the Apple event. Um, and I think based on the fact we've been talking about video and how TV is changing and all of that, yeah. we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the new Apple TV. So give me your give me your take and then I'll give you mine. <laughs> You're absolutely right. So uh, so it looks like Apple TV is evolving past being a hobby a little bit. Um, the The line is shaping up just like other lines where we used to have an iPhone now now we have an iPhone and an iPhone plus you know a whatever plus and then you know there's older versions so there's like a like three of them that you can buy well now there seems to be sort of two Apple TVs the traditional one and the one with a you know much more advanced like uh, Siri first we I think we even talked about Siri Siri first Siri is a control um, uh, so so it's it's really coming into its own um, you know, I it it's it's just sort of the natural evolution when you kind of sit back and, and think about it. But it's it's not like a, like a, you know everybody was. I, I continue to get people saying asking questions. Well, when is it gonna be a TV? Well, I don't think it'll ever be a TV. Maybe it will, but but yeah, not, I don't think that's the point. No time soon. That's not yeah. the point. That's exactly right. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, what are your thoughts? So I had a couple of thoughts. I first of all, uh, I felt like the presentation. There were a couple of parts in the presentation that were that felt more hokey than usual for mm. Apple. Uh, in particular, I felt like the product demos that they had 
and the people that they had speaking, yeah. some of those got some of the people speaking just felt really awkward. Mm. And um, so I just felt like the the quality of the presentation and the guy, the main guy, I forget the guy's name, uh, the product manager uh, that was up there in the bright red shirt. Uh, ugh, doesn't matter. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it. it he was like, it was, he was reading his presentation off the screen. Yeah. And I don't know, it just felt kind of flat at times. So that, but that's aesthetics and none of that really matters. Substance wise, I think the, I, th- I had two thoughts. First of all, I'm really excited about um, the Siri integration that makes total sense. Just being able to talk to it yep. makes a ton of sense and yep. just say, yeah, can you find me? you know, show the shows about this and then refine the search. And I really liked that part of it a lot. I felt like, and I thought being able to search across applications, and I'm assuming that that'll be a part of the API at some point that anybody would be able to tap into so that you just kind of search across, you know, all of these apps that you've got installed. So it's a very, it feels like a very, uh, this product's now falling into into line with all of the Apple products, where mm-hmm. they're going to open it up for developers. Um, you know, there's going to be its own app store. You're going to be able to develop apps that are universal and work across all of the devices. So yep. it's in that way, it feels like they're bringing it. It's no longer sort of the redheaded stepchild of Apple. Yeah, uh, they're they're making it a first class product and something that the it's clear they're going to focus on going forward. And uh, I, I got to say, though, the I felt like the remote, um, I, don't, I don't know, the remote just bothered me the whole time <laughs> I was watching it. Yeah. And I and I so it felt like there was an opportunity to do something radically different with the remote. Mm-hmm. And really what they did was they added Siri and gave you a way to kind of use it like, uh, you, you know, use it like a mouse. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. And I, it, it was I like, think, I, think, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's one of those things I think that you really have to see, play with, try. I mean, they, they think the same thing of the the pencil, um, but it could be. But you you, I, I think that's one of the things that's really going to make sense when when you try it. It's kind of like force touch on the watch. I'm like, what what in the world? Come on, you know? No, but it really does kind of give you a. It's like gives you the right click capability. <laughs> on the watch so like having that on the phone and 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 obviously the ipad pro um i I, it's one of those things that you have to try that's good you may be right i will i will agree to reserve judgment on the remote uh the other thing that bothered me about the remote is that it went from being you know this battery powered thing to being something that you have to charge i hate things that you have to charge yeah and i know that that's just the way it is yeah uh, it has to have power, but I felt like, oh, why don't you just, you know, let me put a, a single or two single A batteries in it, or you know, triple A battery in it, or something yeah. like that. It just bothered me that it uh, it's got a cord attached to it now. Like no other remote has a cord. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's um, interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's so, interesting. I guess anyway, we'll but I'm, I'm really excited. I'm I'm definitely going to get it. There's no there's no way I don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And just because, I mean, I've had Apple TV forever. Yeah. And, you know, we, as we talked about on the show, we cut, you know, I cut the cable cord probably, it's probably been two years ago now. Yeah. And so Apple TV is my primary, that's my primary device. Yeah. 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 So, so that's interesting. There's a couple of people at work that, that are, are cutting or have cut the cord as well. And, 
the the options that seem to be available, Apple TV, of course, but also uh, they they like the Roku or the Chromecast. Believe it or not, yeah. those are like that's the field. Uh, yeah. So the the, th- the obvious advantage that Roku has is that you can get Sling on the Roku. Oh, you can and, really. I didn't know. That. Yes, so it's huh. a yeah. So it comes native on the Roku and I think on the uh, on the Fire Stick, uh-huh. Amazon Fire Stick. But the hmm. but the Roku, I think, right now in terms of availability of content and and all of those kinds of things, I think the Roku is probably the top device at the moment. Hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. if by the way, if you get Sling right now, uh, I know this because I just signed up for it uh, so that I could get ESPN. But if you get Sling now. You can get the I think it's the Roku three, which is their latest one. You can mm-hmm. get it instead of paying a hundred bucks. You can get it for forty nine uh, if you get it through Sling. Oh, so. interesting. All right. Well, if you don't have uh, cable, what are you slinging? Is um, well, I'm so un- unclear on what Sling does aside from Sling my TV to me elsewhere. No, so you're thinking of Sling Box. Yeah, I'm talking it's different. Sling. Oh, yeah. So Sling is a service that uh i think it's uh, backed by dish oh and you you can get uh you can get all a bunch of channels and you can watch them anywhere Uh, so they give you espn all the big cable channels like food tv home hd tv all of those you can just get them as it's just like cable only Only way cheaper and you get to pick, uh, you get to pick these content blocks. So, like, you can get the sports block, and you can get the, you know, the cooking block, and you can get the this. And it's so it's it ends up being you can spend as much as you want, just like cable. But yeah. the base service is is nineteen dollars a month, and I think the sports package, which gives you all the major, it gives you ESPN, ESPN two, uh, and a and a few others. Uh, that you, that would matter. Fox Sports and stuff like that. You pay another five bucks a month, and huh. you can turn it on and turn it off as much as you want. Interesting. So as a, I, as I a cord subscribe. cutter, I should know this. <laughs> yeah. So I can subscribe. Yeah. This month, you know, because you know some sporting event I care about is coming up. Yeah. And then I just deactivate my subscription and don't pay until I want to use it again, right, and then I activate it again. <clears throat> that's interesting. Yeah. So it's a little bit more a la carte. Not. It's not totally. But it's it's, no, but it's getting there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's and you can watch on any device, and that's so uh, everything we've been talking about. Sling is the next iteration. I did not of know everything about this. we've been talking about in yeah. video. Yeah. yeah, you need mm. to check it out. I do, I do, and I will. Sling. Sling. There you go. So, how much of the advertisement uh, dollars do you get? Uh, <laughs> that was pretty good. It's reference code. Yeah. Use the ref- use the coupon code Scott. Yeah, when you sign up. Yes. And that will get you absolutely nothing. Yes, yes. Thank you for listening. Um, <laughs> That's right. Well, good. Right. Anything else from the, from the Apple thing that you felt like was oh, worthwhile? Yeah, well, Pencil, the, the Apple Pencil. So, of course, you know, the, the resounding chorus. And this happened, uh, you know, Horace was on uh, Bloomberg right after the the uh, the show. And he was on, it was hilarious, he's on with Om Malik. Um, and Om, of course, harps on the line that, uh, that Steve Jobs said, you know, it was somebody was asking him about, hey, you know, such and such a, you know, is Microsoft coming out with a new um, Microsoft mobile, whatever their old mobile operating system was, or something? And he said, or maybe it was, uh, maybe it was their 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 Surface or something, and he says, you know, if you see a stylus, they blew it. 
And yeah. sure enough, whatever and company it was, right, they had a stylus, and yes, they did blow it. So, uh, so of course, that, that was levied at the new iPad Pro, which you can get in this little Apple Pencil and, and use that for, yeah, and they demonstrated our artists using this kind of thing and whatever. But I think the critical difference in the answer that, that Horace gave to Ohm on Bloomberg was, you don't need it. It's not required. This is not That's right. the the mode of of input for this device. The mode of input for this device is what everybody does all the time. They use their fingers. If you need yep. something very accurate, if you need if you are a you know a draftsman or a, an artist or you know that kind, then if you want it, you get it. It's not a required piece. It's a it's a optional accessory. Same is true of the keyboard, uh, but of course that you know I, I think. People seeing that looked to the surface and said, you know, Microsoft was way ahead of the game. And, you know, I don't know, maybe I, I, I'm, I'm not the kind that needs a keyboard on an on a iPad, but I can see the, the sort of the connection there. So anyway, there was all this deriding, I think, because you have a, a bunch of input modalities here, the, a keyboard, a, a pencil or a, or a stylus, right? Um, and then, and this uh, device and it has all its accolades, but uh, but I think the key here is what is required. Is the device actually usable without any of this? And the answer is decidedly yes. So, right, uh, you know, I I don't know what you I don't know how what what do you do? I mean, you know, it's it's uh, you can kind of say that because Ohm's uh, opinion was that. Apple has lost its way and uh, it's all going down. And, you know, I, I certainly do not share that uh, opinion. Yeah, I think that's that's one of those things that's always seems fashionable and easy to say. I don't I think the an interesting question would be if Steve Jobs were around, would you have the Apple Pencil? And I don't know the answer to that. Nobody knows the answer to that. Right. Nobody knows. Uh, and but I do. Could, th- but I think he would. Yeah, I don't think it. I think having. Uh, something that, you know, an artist who's sitting there, you know, trying to draw something or something like that and needs that extra level of precision. I think that it allows them to use the best possible device, which the iPad is far and away better than anything else you can buy. And so that allows them to use the best device and use it in a way that they're used to using it. Yeah, so that they're I don't know. I, I'm not smart enough to figure out whether or not Steve Jobs would have cared and offered the Apple Pencil. I think that who cares? Yeah. The question is, uh, is it, uh, does it make sense for them to do it? And I think what Apple's become much more pragmatic, I think, uh, under Tim Cook than they probably were under Steve Jobs. And I think they probably just had enough, they saw enough user demand to say, this is something we should offer. Let's offer a bigger, mm. you know, a bigger tablet uh, that somebody can actually use as something like a canvas. And if you need a canvas, maybe you need this kind of device to, to you know, to work on it. Yeah. Yeah. You do you remember, uh, Steve Bomber used to call them, didn't, they didn't call them, he didn't call them tablets. He called them slates. Yes. <laughs> do you remember that he's trying to like say that this is the word that you use for this kind of a device and tablet was the one that sort of, you know, the generic name for an iPad is right. a tablet or a sur- Microsoft Surface, the new Surface thing is a, is a tablet, not a slate. But he, he used the word slate, which I thought was really interesting because like, you know, 
kind of harkens back to days of, of uh, caveman and you've got a slate, you know, and a piece of chalk and that's, yeah, that's, that's right. Or another rock to carve on. It. Right. Yeah, like, <laughs> and that's how you do you, that, that's the, the analog. I don't know. Um, yeah. anyway, I think we've, we've beaten this one to death. Um, yeah, I think it's, uh, I'm looking forward to just to wrap the topic up. I'm really looking forward to the Apple TV. I think it's going to be fun mm. to have, the games and stuff that are going to come across and allow you to have this really cool multiplayer experience. I think what we'll see is that in many homes, it will become the default gaming console. Uh-huh. Uh, just like, so maybe it starts to impede on the big game console market as well. Um, right. like well, there's so, a lot of possibilities with the direction they're going. Yeah, absolutely. The large game console market is, I would think the, you know, the high end. These are the people that, look, I'm going to buy a multi-hundred dollar device to do gaming. So what you get with an Apple TV uh, is you get the casual gamer. And I think the numbers yep. are 10x at least. So yes, absolutely. It's going to be a big, big deal. Not to say that there aren't other devices that do games, you know, that, that are do casual games, you know, the Wii or, or, you know, some Roku games or whatever. But this is this is the mainstream device that brings casual gaming to the masses like they did with the iPhone. Uh, you see everybody standing online playing Bejeweled or whatever the games are. Um, Angry Birds comes to mind. So yep. uh, those, I, I And mean, they're going to be multiplayer, right? I mean, we're going to be able yeah. to sit in the same room. Yeah. And I think you know, it's going to be party games It's because everybody's got an iPhone already. Right. And so it's much more natural that this is the device where people just congregate around at a party and they're playing some game and then they go away because they don't play games at home. They don't need an Xbox. They don't need a right. this because they, they're just not that hardcore, but this is a natural way. And, and so I think it's for game companies. This is a massive, absolutely massive opportunity. Absolutely. Massive opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So. Can't wait to see what shows up. It's going to be great. Yep. <laughs> it will be great. Yeah. All right. I think that's all for for this show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time on 353rd. Adios.